Hello and welcome to the Supernatural podcast with Jill, me and Dan, you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've said it. <laughs> so yeah, that is our new title for this podcast. We are no longer the small business whole health podcast. Well, we still are in person, but you probably realize we have a new name now. Yeah, we said we'd do it. We haven't changed any logos or anything yet, but that's the first time we've said it. We are now called the Super Dash Natural Podcast because we didn't want to go supernatural because that would infer ghosts and things. But supernatural is like natural, really super. <laughs> it's yeah, like great explanation, chill. <laughs> high end natural stuff, isn't it? That, and that's what we do. We probably should explain that. We've only come up with this idea in the last five minutes after going over about 20 or 30 different titles and not being able to decide one. Yeah. Then we jumped on air and it kind of came to us, didn't it? Well, it came it, to you. It was your idea. It, it came to me in a breathwork session that Supernatural should feature in, in our thing. And then I just dropped it to you because we were going through lots of other variations of names around holistics and stuff. But actually... Holistic health is as a part of what we do, but we also go into the etheric and the kind of psyche and all of that stuff, which is part of holistic health. But I think it's more about absolute natural, and that's what supernatural is. And I yeah. love it. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's that double barrel meaning, like supernatural. Yeah, we do talk about the tarot and esoterics and metaphysics and the a bit of the woo woo stuff. But then super dash natural is being natural, but doing it to the best of your ability, i.e. super. <laughs> so <laughs> being really our, super. That's our explanation. <laughs> yeah, well, you explained it just as well as I did. So it's like being really super at being natural. Yeah, that's yeah, we've, we've consolidated we've what it actually it. means. Yeah, yeah, we should have maybe practiced that before we actually recorded it. Yeah, because... I, can, I can edit that down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here we are, a Supernatural podcast. I, lo- I actually, it feels right to say it. It feels good. So are you going to tell the listeners what our first topic is on the Supernatural podcast? Okay, now this is a biggie because this has got a really long word and it's called morphogenic feels. So our first supernatural subject is morphogenic feels, Dan. Do you want to explain a little bit about what morphogenic feels are, resonance of it and history of it? Yeah, so this does sound like a complex name and topic, morphogenic resonance and morphogenic fields. And it is really, but when we're going to give the listeners some some studies that have been done, some tests, some examples. I find this absolutely fascinating. And it, it often gets called pseudoscience and metaphysics because anything in that esoteric world is very hard to weigh and measure. Like scientists like to have like real tangible results, don't they? Where you can you can look at graphs and charts and results. But anything in kind of the spirit world gets kind of poo-pooed a little bit, doesn't it? But this is a real thing. And it was Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, which is probably the most intelligent name ever invented. Um, <laughs> he was a British biologist and he he kind of consolidated what the morphogenic field or, the, or morphogenic resonance was. And essentially my explanation of it would be, it's like an inherited memory or an archetype, which creates forms, creates habits, creates structures. And it's almost like a, a telepathic connection between cells of the same structure, like human to human or plant to plant. And that can go across generations. It can go through time it can go through space, which sounds crazy, but we're going to give some examples <laughs> of, of what that actually means. It does sound totally crazy. And uh, 
Dr. Rupert Sheldrake first came up with his theory in the 1980s. And um, it's about like how when you're like, so a sperm and an ovum come together, how does, so that's two cells become one cell and then they replicate and that becomes a human. But how does the heart, how do those cells suddenly know how to become a heart cell? How does some cells know how to become a brain cell? How do they know how to become tissue? And it's it's each cell down to a cellular level has a, a resonance that is um, showing that, that this is what it's going to become essentially, isn't it? So, and, but that then it's like relevant for a cell, like a tiny cell, but it's also relevant for the universe and how the universe structures itself, like how, how does our body structure itself and how does the universe structure itself and everything else in between has a, a vibration that um, gets picked up by the morphic fields. Yeah, so, Am I explaining this right? Yeah, yeah. So to follow on from what you said, from what I understand is the, the morphic field takes all of the things like cells and information and it puts it into an order. So the example that I liked was, for instance, in the womb, when a, when a baby's grown, the baby's arm and leg has the, the exact same DNA, but the morphic field knows how to form um, those cells into the shape of a leg or the shape of an arm. It's the same DNA, but the morphic field organizes it to, in, into the correct place. That's, that's kind of a, a real simple mm. thing that kind of stuck with me. And this happens throughout nature, everywhere. And morphic resonance is slightly different, but the, the morphic field that's that was kind of my understanding, but it works on a, a universal scale and it works down to a, like a microscopic scale as well. Yeah. So the field is like a form or a structure. So like say the cardiac, the, the cells become the heart. So that would be those cells form the structure of a heart. So, but then they let off a vibration, a heart vibration, which becomes the resonance. The resonance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah, that's a clever way. So the field it, yeah. is the form and the resonance is the vibration that that form lets off vibrates too yeah and this is like all very like it often gets called subtle energy again which is why it's very hard to weigh and measure it and get results mm -hmm. but the again like we, we normally say this the, the ancients have known this for years so we have subtle energy fields in our body like in some of the the eastern healing philosophies they have meridian systems like subtle lines of energy going through the body which which can never be detected but they know that they exist so it's mm -hmm. things like if you, you can imagine like an electromagnetic field, when you put iron filings on a magnet, you can't see the energetic field, but all iron filings would go, would get drawn to the top of the magnet. Mm -hmm. So this is like morphogenic fields and meridian lines. These things do exist, but we can't see them or measure them. But mm -hmm. throughout ancient history, we know that they exist and they definitely exist because nature has this form, which always goes in the same order. Trees always look like trees. Humans always come out mm. looking like humans. And we, we kind of cross boundaries. If it's similar and it has symmetry, there's like a collective memory and that always kind of repeats itself. And this kind of links back to the collective consciousness, to the Maharishi effect that we're all connected, that there is an interconnectedness around everything in the world, in the, in the universe. And also what I was interested in, Dan, when I was reading about how scientists have tried to... Um, understand the morph morphogenic fields and they've done experiments and how it all links back to um so entropy is when anything existing in a vacuum is letting off energy and entropy is the final state of like we're all heading towards ent entropy right because um 
we're all losing energy as we get older. And the final state of um, entropy is a, is a double helix, a spiral. You know how I love things about spirals. So when we start as a, as a tiny cell in, in our mother's womb, we are a little spiral and we, the cells grow in a spiral, but the universe is also structured in a spiral. So it's like, it's it's just everything everything is linked together and um like the double helix is within us in our dna and it's also what the universe is structured in so it's like that haven't you got a word for that didn't we come up with a word one day about that what's small also relevant to large and i'm sure you had a special term for it but i can't mm, remember if i did it's gone it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's gone it's gone into space <laughs> But, but he yeah. also philosophize, if that's a word, about how things can get passed on from like collective consciousness, that um, certain memories will get passed down through families. Um, we all we almost think that kind of like if we've got a gift for something that like art or music that our grandparents had, that it got passed down in our DNA. But he would argue that it got passed down through the morphogenic field rather than the DNA the dna is transmitting resonance yeah yeah that was the most one of the most fascinating parts about it for me that yeah memories can pass through space and time and the more similar the organism i.e if it's your parents or your grandparents you're going to be more similar than other humans so the more similar the organism the greater the influence of the morphic resonance so yeah you can you might think that you're you have a talent for playing the piano but then you find out that you're your grandparents did and their grandparents did it's because you are so similar to those people that the 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 chance of the resonance is bigger so you can pass down things like traits and skills and obviously the most common one is the way we look you can you can see what you look like you, you look like your parents and your grandparents don't you and again it links back a little bit like to archetypes but it's like a bit more specific isn't it yeah it's it's just so interesting it's like I, I love this whole theory about it. And then they've tried to do experiments on various things, haven't they? Because it would explain how other things happen, like how you've got an experiment about rats, like how suddenly something happens in one part of the world and then like that vibrational energy goes out and then other people can do the same thing at the same time. But it's just like weird. <laughs> yeah, so so there's, yeah, there's kind of two different parts. So there's the, there's the lineage part which is, yeah, it can be your parents, your grandparents. It can be the archetype of a tree. Trees will always look the same. There's that lineage, which is like direct, but there's also the telepathic side of it. Like you say, it can pass through space and time. This is what got me interested in this topic, actually. This just blew my mind, okay? <laughs> so this was all, like you say, Rupert Cheldrake kind of consolidated all this information in the 1980s, but it's been kind of experimented on as early as the early 1900s. I think it was 1908 it was first spoke about. So it took a few years, but then in the 1920s, there was a study done at Harvard University on rats. Okay, so they put, I don't know how many rats it was, but quite a few, and they put them in a maze, in a water maze, and they timed how long it took each rat to get from one end of the maze to escape at the other side. And then they took an average of how long it took, something like seven minutes, I think it was, they got a, a separate group of rats on the opposite side of the earth, like a week later, put it in the exact same maze, and those rats did it quicker. And then they did it again in a different part of the world the next week, and those rats did it quicker. So it was like, because one set of rats had learned how to complete the maze through kind of space and time, these other rats who had no idea what the hell was going on, they did it quicker. They'd learned 
just due to the fact that, that another group of rats had learned somewhere else on the planet. And it, they kept doing this and it got quicker and quicker and quicker until it was down from like seven minutes down to seven seconds. And these rats had never seen the maze before. They'd never met. They weren't kind of related. That just blew my mind. <laughs> and, and there's, they there's write other, to each other. They couldn't yeah. say, I guess what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like they'd sent an email <laughs> saying, take the first left and you go straight ahead, <laughs> miss the next ride. But also they, there was this kind of um, telepathic collective consciousness between that archetype of the, of the rat so they learned without actually being in contact, like physical contact with each other. And then there's other, so that was a test, but the example we've spoke about in other podcasts as well was when like the pyramids were built. That's the one that stuck with me. So mm. the pyramids of Giza were, in Egypt were built at a certain period of time, but also the ones in, was it Peru and South America were built almost identical at the exact same time, even though they're on separate continents and these people had never met. But because they were the, the human archetype, there was that telepathic connection or that's the hypothesis anyway yeah yeah that I've just got, blows my little brain it does it blows my little brain too um i've got um a quote from rupert sheldrake it says the morphic resonance is the idea of a mysterious telepathy type interconnected interconnections between organisms and collective memories within a species mm, that collective memory thing is is crazy isn't it it enables memories to pass across space and time. Um, so that would show why you inherit memories and also habits as well. That's what he talks about as well, that we inherit habits. Yeah. He almost says it's it's more like like certain traits that you have and the way you look and the way you act and the skills you have are more like habits than, than in inherited actual things. It's because it's been done so much in the past by your ancestors that for you to do it is almost like a continued habit. Mm-hmm. it's strange to think of it like that isn't it yeah but you see it don't you in like everyday life that it's really hard for people to break out of, of family family patterns you know almost like, impo- yeah you can yeah. even like physical things like the way they walk the way they look facial mm-hmm. expressions yeah and then you wonder yeah. how many people like look like you or talk like you like in the past like how far it goes back but yeah. it's interesting you, you know you see these shows where it, it takes you through people's lineage going back like i don't know 500 years um, I think it's like Ancestry.com normally like sponsor it. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's um, it called? Um, yeah, I watch it all the time. I love it. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> I what it's called. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, they, they, they'll end up finding like a, a photograph from like the very late 1800s. And it'll look very, yeah. very similar to the, one of the, the presenter's child or something. It's crazy, but it yeah. makes total sense, doesn't it? Um, who do you think you are? Is what That's it's called. One, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny because um, when our Will was born, like obviously I've got curly hair. And um, a curly hair only goes down one one strand uh, of our family because yeah, yeah. my dad's got curly hair. Our Will was born with curly hair, and his dad had curly hair. And we, if we look at a photograph of us all at the same age, like you would think that we were all the same person. Really, uh, that, that's it's similar. really weird. And when I when we found a, a photograph of so my dad's dad, so my grandfather. And we showed it to Will when he was like three. We said, "Will, who's that?" And he was like, "That's me." <laughs> he really did look really like, that similar. Yeah, it looked that similar. And if you look at a photograph of me that age and my dad that age, it's like bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that morphogenic field is, it's all based on symmetry and similarity. That's why mm-hmm. you said before a dog kind of go into a tree, it has to be of the, the same archetype. Yeah. And obviously the the memories and the traits, if the arcs, if the, the similarities are really similar, then the chance of like past memories become greater. But then it's interesting because you do get people who, 
you know, hear these people who have like past life experiences and things like that, where they, I'm sure there's a famous one where someone claims to be on the Titanic and they could describe the dining room, the, the ballroom, oh, yeah. down to the finest detail, even though this was before the discover it was the shipwreck was discovered. Well, it's in, yeah. it's in Anik, isn't it? The ballroom of the Titanic. Well, the Titanic sister ship. All oh, right. Yeah. But this was years before it was, it was, it was discovered. And she had, as a child, she had a, this vivid memory of where things were. Yeah. And like wow. a little, like a, yes, it was like an inherited memory. Oh, well, Will has this strange thing where he always calls me or the dad. Me or the dad. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking mean? about? You're the dad. Just me or the dad just went out for milk. And we're like, what are you talking about? And he's done it like from little. So now I think he just takes the mic because uh, he can't remember. But he always goes, oh, yeah, me or the dad used to treat us better than you do. <laughs> <laughs> But he's done it since he was little. It's dead funny because now we just laugh about it. It's like, can you remember your other dad? And he was like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, but I don't think he can anymore. <laughs> so it's it's strange because there's definitely a thing of the word I like to use, the, the lineage, so passed down through generations yeah. of humans. But then there's also the, the greater human as a as a species. We can we can learn things. So. Yeah, like like the same idea with the rats. So one group of rats on one side of the earth learned it, which meant at the same time the ones on the other side of the planet learned it off them, even though there was like a so there has to be a telepathic connection. So really humans, it's it's theorized that humans can do the same thing. And there probably is evidence out there somewhere, but it's all anecdotal at the moment. Mm. Um so Rupert Sheldrake's son, who has an even better name, Merlin. Merlin, <laughs> Merlin Sheldrake. Okay, obviously a very switched on cookie himself i saw an interview with him and he was saying when he was in secondary school or when he was in college maybe his dad had obviously taught him this this theory and he was obviously very intelligent so he said well, if humans all learn collectively i think he said so i put it to, i put it to test myself i went and i was sat in an exam and there was like 200 people in the exam hall there was like 100 questions multiple choice questions he said we all start at the same time. He said, so what I did is I started from question 100 and worked backwards because if the if morphic fields were real, then all the people, the other 199 people were starting at the front and they'd all wrote the correct answers. So I was <laughs> I was inheriting their memories and it would make it easier for me to go back. Um, but I don't think it worked, but it was, it was quite a clever idea, actually. <laughs> yeah, but then he's starting at a place where there's no memories. So yeah, but by the time you got halfway, I think then the the questions that everyone else had already answered <laughs> would just come so quickly to him because he's had the other 199 people had already done all, all, all the work for me. So I, I don't think it worked. No, I don't think it, it's very, I think it's a bit more subtle than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise we'd all be doing that, wouldn't we? Working backwards. Uh, what I find amazing is like, you know, when you watch these things on Gaia TV and stuff and they talk about like how the human race was here before and it got wiped out and um, yeah. like, you know, Atlantis and all of that kind of stuff. And they were saying like, if you go, why wasn't, didn't they have helicopters and cars and stuff? Like why didn't they go down the same evolutionary path as what we've done like when we had the industrial revolution and stuff and that was the start of it wasn't it like the yeah. technological age and they were just saying that they would have had they might have had a different revolution like a spiritual revolution or uh, yeah. Yeah. a mental revolution like not doesn't have to be like a mechanical revolution like what we had which took us down the whole line of the, the where we are today with computers and stuff was all stemming back from the industrial revolution isn't it so it's interesting to think about that isn't it like how it could be 
something else. They could have got really developed their spirituality and and they probably did, yeah. Well, yeah. there seems to be evidence that they're a lot more spiritual and connected to the earth than the way than we certainly are. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was just a bit of a sidetrack against the morphic fails. So have you? Um, so how else can we see that? And in his examples, he said it's how um, a dog would know that you come home. My dogs always know when my son's coming home. Yeah, it's that that resonance. So things can bond with each other. You know, mm-hmm. like you talk about an electric bond between two cells. And, and it's it's been proven that, yeah, if you have dogs, dogs seem to have this almost telepathic connection that they know far before you when something's wrong mm-hmm. or when you're coming home. There's also things, he talks about phantom limbs, which is interesting because not that many people would ever experience it, but it's a very known thing. So if you, mm-hmm. people who lose arms and legs, they feel as though the leg is still there and they can actually feel pain and feeling in that leg, which, which is no longer there. So I, I don't know his full theory on that. But I think it's the idea is the energetic presence is still there. But then also things like other species, like trees can grow new branches and newts can grow new legs. Mm. So it's the idea that the resonance is still there. I'm not quite certain on what it is, but yeah, I think there's definitely more research to be, to be done on it, but. But then again, it's just like that whole connectedness. It kind of goes back as well to the Maharishi effect, like the podcast we did on that, where the small percentage of people can influence a, a larger group of people because we're all connected. In fact, Merlin Sheldrick, <clears throat> excuse me, has written a book about the interconnectedness of fungi, hasn't he? Like mm. how they've got their own internet, really, <laughs> uh, that runs under the planet. Like everywhere there is a fungi. Not I love just the a idea. Fungi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word you keep using, the interconnectedness. Yes. It's like the, there was an experiment done as well where they got, I think I've mentioned it a few times because, again, when I like things, I tend to just mention them every like two or three podcasts. <laughs> and then um, you forget about them. And then I forget about them for <laughs> another hundred episodes. They got twins and they put twins on separate sides of the earth and they hooked them up to heart rate monitors and stuff. And the, the, they found out the hearts were beating at exactly the same rate at exactly the same time. Wow. Because, again, there was that, that form is so similar. So a parent to a child is very similar, but two twins is but probably even more similar, you know what I mean, in terms of structure and symmetry. Yeah. So the final like kind of note that I had to, to make this, try and get this to make sense for how um, it works in humans was we, we inherit a collective memory from, the, from past members. Then we also contribute in the present and then we pass that on to the future. Mm. That's exactly what's happening, isn't it? So a nice way to think about this, to make this applicable to everyday life is if, if we try and live a healthy life and contribute to our family and contribute to the world and try and make the world a better place, then it's going to make it easier for future generations and everyone else on earth to do the right thing and make the world a better place because of that interconnectedness and that memories that we're going to pass on. If we just try and live a healthy, whole, happy lifestyle and, and for the betterment of the world itself, it's going to make it easier for everyone else to do that. So. Mm-hmm. That's almost like the the practical side, which we have to kind of take from this. It's not just all hippie banter. Hippie woo-woo stuff. Yeah. No, it's not hippie woo-woo stuff. In fact, it's it's real, yeah. And that's how also, like, how we collect our ancestral shit that we carry around with us as well, you know, that whole, like, somebody did something in the past and that's still resonating in the future because everything ripples outwards. So if you can heal that ancestral stuff and then you heal it then your next generation is not going to suffer that so then you essentially you've ended the ancestral shit yeah break the cycle 
what's that there's that book the body knows the score mm-hmm. you you trauma in your life gets held and gets trapped in your body mm-hmm. if you don't release it but you also inherit trauma mm-hmm. from from future generations like you said before we came on air about the the holocaust victims mm-hmm. like two or three four generations down the line if that trauma hasn't been healed people will still suffer that same um yeah that same trauma yeah. and there's been there's been also studies where again it's 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 not particularly scientific but there's been people who the the parents or the great-great-grandparents or whatever they might have been like stabbed in the back or something and then people have this they'll have a certain pain in the you know in the back or behind the shoulder blade and they can never figure out what's going on mm-hmm. and then they get things like past life regressions um or they get some kind of es- esoteric metaphysical healing and then they can figure out what the hell went on but they're feeling this pain from like four or five generations ago where they got like an actual physical injury and mm-hmm. it's still hanging around in the DNA um, and, and it's happening to them until they can heal that trauma and move on. It will just keep getting passed from generation to generation. It might get diluted somewhat. I don't know how it works, but it's definitely a thing, isn't it? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. So it's it's so interesting when you think about all this stuff. It's just like it blows our little minds, doesn't it, Dan? Our little supernatural minds. This is like true supernatural stuff. And this is kind of what we're going to be going into a lot more. Now, I feel like we've been released from the shackles of the small business. We, have we broke the chain? We broke we the broke cycle. The yeah, we've, <laughs> we're now vibrating on a, on a level that feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, we've just leveled up. Yeah, we have. Like, it only took us five minutes and it's like, there we go. Boom. When something's there. right, it feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, you, you definitely know, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So have you got anything else to add about the morphic fields and morphic resonance and interconnectedness? No, that's that's my notes. I think we probably could have consolidated that a little bit more concisely, but it's a, it's a complex topic and it's so like hard to put it into like Words. simple terms, <laughs> yeah, s- simple terms to make it like tangible and, and understandable. Yeah, yeah, the, it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah, I like to think of it and it's it's not even that widely researched. There's like a couple no. of books on it, so so yeah. So, I think one of his books is called Why Dogs Know You're Coming Home. <laughs> right. That sounds so, like a children's uh, book, to be honest, but uh, I bet it's you, very, very complicated. Yeah, how you know someone's watching you. It's but that's that, true, it's isn't it? It's that feeling, isn't it? It's yeah, the that feeling that someone's watching you. Collective consciousness, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've always been kind of fascinated by that. And I think the more you look into it, the more questions you ask and the more you just realise that we are all connected. Everything's connected, but the more similar that form is, the more connected it's going to be. Yeah, and how you realise that you don't really know anything about how the world or the universe works. No, no, it's just it's a big mystery, but that's what I feel so kind of blessed to, to be interested in this type of stuff because God, one week we can be talking about the Maharishi effect and that kind of blows my mind and then the next it's morphogenic fields and I'm just like, is there ever going to be any explanation for all this or is that just part of the whole life experience to just be constantly amazed by life? <laughs> what know, it is? And know. who knows what the next sequence is when we, when we die. Is that like, is that going to be more complicated or will all the answers be revealed? It's... Will we still be podcasting then? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think that's why I'm interested in psychedelics as well, because some people do yeah. get a bit of a snapshot of, it, do, it, it does bring some element of clarity. That's even, why I love breath work. Even that's... a short period of time, yeah. Yeah, it just gives you a little bit of, oh God, yeah. And it's, it's a natural high, so mm. yeah, cool. Yeah, cool listeners. Hopefully you've enjoyed the first episode of, a supernatural 
podcast. Yay. And um, of course, we'll be releasing episodes every Monday. And um, of course, you can catch up with me on my website, uh, www.organicpilates.co.uk. And um, yeah, you can find us on, go on, Dan, you rhyme them off. Spotify, Podbean, Alexa, Google Home, iTunes, Audible, and the, just the collective consciousness. I mean, the if someone else is listening to it, you could, you're really going to inherit the, <laughs> the memory. Yeah, I think we're going to be collectively conscious now. And um, yeah, I need to go now work out how to change the name on iTunes and Spotify. <laughs> I think I think you just do it through Podbean and I think they're there. Oh, so. right. Cool. Anyway, right. thank you for listening. And um, yeah, do get in touch if you've got any questions, comments, leave the feedback. We love to hear from you and we'll see you all next week. Bye.